Welcome to Phone Sex with Lily Show, where talent in front and behind the camera is showcased and explored. As you can imagine, there are a lot of characters and personalities in this industry. Listen as they share their stories. But first, grab your lube and get comfortable because the guests will unknowingly be subjected to phone sex with a porn star, webcam model, and your host, Lily Craven. listening to phone sex with lily show and i have a special guest here with us today this is reba who is chief operating officer chief marketing officer of takedown piracy hello hi how are you today i'm good thank you so much for having me oh i I have so many questions for you well, I have so many answers for you. So you are part of the adult industry, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, we are a copyright enforcement, content protection, um, DMCA agency, and the bulk of our clients are in the adult industry, although we do have clients in sporting and mainstream media as well. Um, we uh, Nate Glass, who owns and operates the company, is uh, has about a 25-year history in the industry. Um, so that's where he got his start. And, and how did you get into this? Oh, gosh, this is so much fun. So um, I, at one time, did some freelance journalism, and I was writing a story about how mainstream uh, independent films and porn were starting to look a lot alike. Um, it was around that time when um, Wicked Pictures had done the Pirates movie, which was so good from a mainstream point of view that they actually removed some of the sex scenes and were selling it at Blockbuster. Nice. At the same time, people like Chloe Sevigny were performing in movies like Brown Bunny, where she performs oral sex at a level that could have won her best oral at any of the adult industry award shows. I mean, it. I actually thought it was um, fake when I saw it because uh-huh. it's particularly graphic. Come to find out, apparently it's not. So I wanted to write a story about that. Um, I went to AVN and when you go to AVN as a journalist, they give you a list of who's available for interviews. And um, at the time, I was also taking a class where we were, by coincidence, studying copyright um, issues. And so Nate Glass was on the list of available interviews. And I thought, well, this will be great for my school paper. So I set an interview with him. It was his first year as a business owner at ABN. And I was his first interview. So um I interviewed him. Then I spent the rest of the week interviewing, you know, a bunch of different performers and studio owners and directors. And at the end of the week, I went to pick up my passes for the red carpet and the show. And I was on the heels of a particularly bad breakup. And the girl at the desk said, oh, you're going to have so much fun. And I said, well, I don't even have a date. And she said, well, (laughs) like to take you. And I said, you know, I kind of like that Nate guy. So initially, um, 
our relationship started out as personal. I have had a corporate background that dates back to, you know, the very early 80s. Um, I was the syndicate coordinator for a big securities firm. Um, I have done, you know, just about everything you can think of at a corporate level. And so after spending almost eight years at the time with Nate and watching his business and going to all the shows and meeting all the people, I went to him and said, I think I can fill some of these niche chores within your company. Mm -hmm. And he said, let's do it. And I just never looked back. It's just been a true joy um, to, to be part of this end of the industry. What a great story. I mean, to, to <laughs> you know, I've noticed a lot of people, if not all of us in the industry, we stumble into it somehow. <laughs> like it's not something that you strive to do when you're growing up. I mean, I think I think you're right, but I think that's a societal function because you know we've got these constructs of oh, do you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or a nurse yes. or a teacher? And you know, I think now that people are becoming um, more open and more adventurous, maybe we will have some parents that say, "Hey, would you like to produce porn, or would you like to be a performer?" <laughs> I mean, I really hope that we get to that point as a society where we right. allow, you know, up and coming um, individuals who are going to be functioning members of society to choose the path they want to be on. You know that right there. Do you think that if that were the case and, and it was, you know, free, like, boo, that it wouldn't have the same value anymore? You know, I, I think it's to be determined because one might be able to say the same thing about, you know, the film industry or the television industry. There was a time when movies played in the theater for a reserved amount of time. And if you didn't catch them at the theater, that was it. And then we television and people said, oh, gosh, you know, we can see these movies now. And then there was cable. And now That's you can stream just about anything at any time of the day or night. And I don't see it slowing down the mainstream industry. If anything, it's creating a higher standard. Um, although oh, the barrier to entry is lower, people are upping their game. You know, you watch, I'm going to show what a nerd I am right now. You watch yeah. shows like The Expanse um, compared to, for example, Star Trek from the 60s. Uh -huh. And just the level of CGI and special effects and acting, it's night and day. And so, yeah, I like to think that if people do become more open and as we produce more content as an adult industry, that it raises the bar and, and raises the standard and people just up their game. That's that's a very good point. Uh, it also it creates new category, new jobs. If we were only in the movie theater and presses, you know, out to video and blockbuster, that's all new companies, all new jobs as well with technology. Um, yeah, in the game. So the, it almost creates more. I mean, it would create more than take it away. A hundred percent. I think people think the adult industry is just the performers. You know, you've got producers and directors and distributors and editors and sound people <laughs> and stores, you know, and costume designers. And I mean, it's it it does um, employ and financially support 
lots of different people. Oh, I mean, look at what we do. You know, we protect copyright. So even our tertiary um, insertion into the industry, you know, we're not performers. We're not producing anything. We don't own our own content. We're not directors or producers or distributors. But what we do is of such value to that industry. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's it's, necessary. it's needed. It has to be there. And I mean, as far as the performer being in front, you're so correct, because that's why I showcase people behind the camera on my show, because it's, they are what makes it work. They're the foundation of it all. And then your, your person in front of the camera is the brand, but so many, I mean, the possibilities are endless in the directions that you can go in the industry. Absolutely. Like, so now, many different directions. Anybody who has a cell phone now can be a producer, a content producer. That's so, right. You know, the market is getting bigger, if anything. I And I don't, so back to your original question, I don't know that... Uh, and openness in society would make it less valuable. Yeah. yeah. I have to agree with you on that. It's because the more accepting, which now it's more accepting than it was, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago. And it's just getting bigger that way. Yeah. So I have to agree with you on that one. Good point. Well, thank you. <laughs> so, so, okay. So piracy on the internet, mm-hmm. what exactly do you like? If someone came to you, would it be an individual or is it any that comes to you and says, hey, someone's stealing my stuff? Or do you prevent the stealing from of your content? So anybody who produces content is a potential client. Years ago when the industry, when Nate first started the business, um, it was really just studios that were affected because really this was kind of predating the kind of cell phones that we have now. There were not clip stores and cam sites like there were when he started. Um, Very quickly, the industry evolved and we started seeing big cam sites and big clip stores and, you know, anybody with a smartphone creating their own content and smaller studios. So the answer is everybody. We work from, you know, anywhere from clip stores that have 7 million uh, videos Uh and more to somebody who's just starting out and maybe they have seven videos and everything in between. Goal to prevent um, it from happening or is the goal like you step in after it happens? So I love this question. We have heard um, claims of people that, quote, do what we do, who say, oh, we can prevent this from, you know, going live. What we have found is that we still find that content. So my level of confidence that that particular method works is pretty low. So our approach is find the content as quickly as possible and remove it. And the reason that we're able to do that at the level that we do, and for the record, we've removed over 150 million infringements from you. Holy wow. (laughs) That's no joke. um, You know, one of the reasons is, um, you know, after doing this for almost 13 years, um, Nate and the Takedown Piracy team are fairly expert at um, some of the tricks of the trade. But sounds like it. (laughs) Yeah, but but in particular, um, we have something called digital fingerprinting. And the way our digital fingerprinting is different than 
what other people may be claiming to use is that what we're doing is we're taking little bits of visual data from our clients' videos and we're creating a fingerprint that our software can view. Now we've done the same thing for close to 200 million tube site videos. And our system just plays the match game all day long. And the reason that matters so much is most companies and most content producers will go online and they'll type in their name (laughs) or the brand name or the name of the scene. And you search it. Yes. And they find what they find. But guess what? Pirates are not always courteous enough to go, here's so-and-so and her latest scene or his latest scene. What they do is they call it ABC one, two, three, X, Y, Z, or blonde. Yes, they changed my name. Or blonde with big boobs or brunette with dildo. Well, I'm just going to tell you, if you went online right now and you search Queen Elizabeth with a dildo, Google will produce search results. Guess what else? You're not going to actually find Queen Elizabeth with a dildo. So that method of searching, while it does have a place in the fight against piracy, is tantamount to using a manual typewriter versus yeah, it doesn't a, do the job. A, you know, a modern day computer. It's not, it's just not the same level. It's not as fast. It's not as accurate. Um, you know, we are incredibly diligent about what we do find, even if we do unveil something with our digital fingerprint, um, our, our digital fingerprinting system, we still verify every single infringement to make sure that it's actually infringing on one of our clients' um, copyrighted content. And that's the responsible way to do it, because you can't just be taking down stuff that you don't look further into it. I mean, you can do it, but you run the risk of getting yourself and your clients sued. Yes, exactly. You know, getting um, a, a previously cooperative site to stop cooperating with you. Um, or ticking off one of the big players in the industry because you're sending DMCA notices yeah. to them for their own notices every other day to them. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's the difference between, you know, and I'm going to sound braggy here, but that's the level of professionalism that we bring to this industry and to what we do that's as compared to, you know, somebody who doesn't meet that standard. Yes, that and that's definitely important. Now, now I've had like currently online, there are people who will use my name and my profile, but it's with their content. Is that the same thing? It's not. So um, copyrighted content, that's going to be your photographs, your images, your videos. A name cannot be copyrighted. It can be trademarked. And Um, Although I have heard somebody who, again, quote, does what we do, constantly say that they issue DMCA notices for trademarks, the DMCA law actually says that's not what the law is for. And again, you could be getting yourself or your client into trouble doing so. If you have your name trademarked, that's something that you should talk to an attorney about. We're not attorneys here at Takedown Piracy. Um, And trademarks are outside the scope. Interesting. Of, of the DMCA law. Now, if they are using your name and your content to do like a catfishing profile on social media, I get stuff like that taken down all day long. That's that's interesting that they wouldn't view. I guess it's because it's more content. 
well, that's up there as opposed to using your name. Yeah, you can't copyright a name. So, you know, you can trademark, yes. you can trademark a name, but you can't copyright it. You can copyright your content. You can copyright a poem, a song, a story, an image, a music, a video. Those are things that you can copyright. But so that kind of leaves it off limit, like uh, they're untouchable as far as st- taking my profile. Um, in terms of just using your name, and, because, and like your birthday, your stats and stuff like that. Yeah, that's something you should probably talk to an attorney about, because if it is violating your rights in some way, the DMCA is not the way to get it removed. Now, if they are using your images or videos or poems that you've written or a picture that you've drawn and they're using those things to impersonate you, yes, the DMCA law can apply. And fortunately, some of the social media um, platforms these days do have ways to report impersonations but they generally require more than just saying, yeah, it's my name. Got you. Got you. Very interesting. Now, okay, well, let's take a short break for our sponsors, and then we'll come back and we'll chat some more about takedown piracy. You're listening to Phone Sex with Lily Show. We will be back. Hi, you're listening to Phone Sex with Lily Show, and I'm here today talking with Reba from Takedown Piracy. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. Okay, so now here's a question that I've always had. When I see my content taken, and it's on the internet, and Mm -hmm. obviously I didn't give permission for them to use it, what harm is that? I mean, isn't that free advertising for me? Oh, my gosh. I, I have to tell you, I cringe whenever I hear people say this. Okay. Um, you know, it's not. It is money out of your pocket is what it boils down to. There are ways of advertising for free for yourself through social media, um, or you can pay if you want to do, you know, a grander scale of that. But, no, piracy um when when somebody steals your content and they put it on the internet, everybody who's looking at it is not paying you for the content that you work to produce. That's what it boils down to. What they are doing, though, is putting money in the pocket of the pirate or, um, and I say this with love, in the <laughs> pocket of the cam sites that advertise on known pirate sites right there on your pirated content. I have yet to hear a model, performer, content producer tell me that they got a kickback check from the cam site that was running an advertisement on right there on their pirated content. But you know who is getting money from that? The pirate site and the pirate. So, you know, something that we're very um, outspoken about. We know that it's not a pleasant conversation because look, we don't think people who own and operate campsites are bad people, but we think that there is this, you know, kind of difficult relationship because they are some of the biggest sponsors of some of the biggest shows and publications within the industry. So a show or a publication um, is more often than not inclined to give them an award rather than say, hey, man, um, we appreciate your donation or your ad dollars, 
but you know, we can't support the fact that you are making money off of pirated content. Yeah. So, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's the conversation. And that's something, you know, look, we recognize that there's a little bit of a bro club in any industry. I mean, I've worked in securities. I've worked in property management. True. Uh, you know, I've worked in advertising. I've worked in radio. There is a, a bro club for sure. But at some point, you have to stop the cannibalism from within in your own industry. And so while we recognize that it doesn't win us favor um, with some of the deeper pockets in the industry, um, at the very least, it should earn the respect of the industry that we're willing to speak out when we see that people are being harmed by something and that we are trying to work to make it better. Um, so yeah, it's not, you it's not free advertising. It's just flushing money down the toilet. I have yet to have a client tell me that after us finding and removing pirated content from the internet, that their income went down. That's literally point. never. Yeah, I, yeah, that's, that's a, another good point. Now, now I've always wondered about this. What are white labels? Are they taking it? legally like do we sign something when we sign up say for chatterbait and we put you know in, in the little clause a little fine print that says that we're allowing them to to use that like so, right? i love these questions these are great uh, so one of the things that you know um recently we went to the why not um trade show and award show in la yes. and i was Really very fortunate. I was um, asked to moderate several panels and participate on several panels, and I really got to listen to people and hear and share information. It was an amazing experience. So here's the thing. I am willing to bet that I only need two hands to count the number of people who have actually read the terms of service for the platforms they use or the DMCA law, even if they are a DMCA company. That's my impression. I actually have a spreadsheet where I have gone site by site and read their terms of service and taken some notes. Um, most of them seem to have, and again, I'm not an attorney. This is not legal advice. But they seem to have some kind of wording to the effect of when you post content on my platform, you are giving us the rights to distribute it the way we want it, share it the way we want it, monetize it the way we want to, um, which is fair. It's their platform. And if you agree to it, you agree to it. Okay. Um, that said, um, one of the things that we sometimes have to tell a new client or a potential new client is there is a difference between copyrighted content and, oh, I wish I hadn't done that content. If yes. you produce on a flip store or campsite or for a studio and you just wish you had now because, you know, whatever reason, um, that's not what the DMCA law is for. I can't go copyright a campsite where you recorded your content because they still have your content on their campsite. Now, I can <laughs> issue a DMCA notice if that content's been stolen and is being used on a platform without permission. But if you but stop paperwork back with your ex-boyfriend and you made that video there's nothing he's doing wrong if he posts it there's a difference between revenge porn and regret porn revenge oh, okay. porn 
is generally speaking, somebody did not have permission or, you know, it was taped surreptitiously or recorded surreptitiously and then they're using it to get back at you. Regret porn is, you know, my wife and I, we did this when times were tough, but now we want corporate jobs. And so, you know, we don't want the site that, you know, paid us to post content to post our content anymore. That's not the proper use of, of that. Yes. And I bet you get that a lot of people because it's an industry that, you know, it's sort of like a tattoo. Once you do it, you can't really remove it. Can't you go know, back. Yeah, the internet's forever. That's for sure. Um, but, you know, again, and this kind of circles back to what we were talking about earlier. Maybe I'm, I have a Pollyanna attitude about it, but I'm hopeful that there will come a day when um, previous experience in any kind of sex work is not viewed as a negative because there's all kinds of skill that goes into it, you know? Yes, there uh, is. <laughs> if you're the performer or I mean, I when I started, I started at 40 years old. So um, when I got into it, I realized very quickly that I needed a college education to do what and they're like to perform. And I'm like, no, probably 80, 90 percent of what I do is marketing, yeah. promoting. It's all, you know, just the whole skills of that. You have to know what you're doing. So I put myself through college. And I graduated, and if I would not have done that, I would be so lost. There's a science to all of it. There's certainly, listen, you can make money um, in the industry without doing a thing. That That's absolutely true that you can just post a picture or a video and somebody, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's that, money. That said, the difference between people who are making six figures a month or making a comfortable living and the people that are, um, you know, gosh, I've got to pay rent tomorrow. I'm not sure how I'm going to do it yeah. are the people that really do treat this as a business like entrepreneurs and they look at the marketplace and they look at, you know, costs and they look at advertising and all of that kind of stuff. There is a tangible yeah. difference. Yeah. Um, it's definitely, I always call it like a game of chess because it's very strategic and you have to know what you're doing to make it, like you said, something where it's a livable income and, or even bigger, but um, you definitely have to have skills to do all that. And you know, it's not like 10 years ago when everybody was kind of just, you know, um, flying blind. There are so many resources out there. There's individual coaches and there are, you know, groups like APAG that are out there with, you know, people who will help you. There's trade yes. shows. Um, you know, the Why Not Show was specifically for individual producers and cam models. You know, they call yes. it community. So um, there are certainly resources. One, yeah, I ever went to was that's what gave me a taste of the industry was the Why Not Awards, and people in the industry, talent, anybody, they are so helpful for each other. Like we don't have this. People seem to think we have this like um, competition going on amongst us, and it's really not. They're the most helpful people ever. It's like a family, and they're willing to do anything like to help people and to stay out of, you know, people scamming them, people stealing their stuff. It's not a secret. Like we like to share what not to do. Yeah. I think it's like <laughs> any industry. And I guess 
you know, sort of the adult industry has a stigma. People people have a perception of it. But I think like any other industry, there's going to be, you know, elements um, that are not good. But on the whole, the industry seems to be very um, compassionate toward one another and wanting to pay it forward and wanting to help each other out. Of course, there's always going to be some bad players, but for the most part, you can really avoid that and stay away from it. And there are, you know, there's resources. Um, you know, I'm I'm going to brag about Take Down Piracy for a second. Yes, please um, do. A couple of years ago, we noticed that more and more, um, instead of it just being studios or just being giant clip stores that were coming to shows and calling us up, it was more and more independent producers. Um, you know, people who post on places like OnlyFans or, you know, whatever. Um, and so we created the ClipCentury.com site that is the, it's the same exact services that we provide to giant clip stores or big studios, but it's made uh, to be affordable for an independent producer. It's got the digital fingerprinting. We do the meta searching. We uh, we, you know, I'm available, and you know this because I don't think you ever more than about 10 minutes <laughs> to hear back from me. I am incredibly communicative. All of the producers on Clip Century have my email address, my Skype, my phone number. I do turn my phone off when I'm sleeping, but other than that, my clients have more <laughs> a couple of hours at the most to hear back from me. Um, they can ask questions. They can report things to us that, you know, they want to have particular attention to. But, yeah, you know, it, that came from being part of this industry and wanting to be more resourceful and helpful to everybody and not have to tell an individual producer, yeah, I'm sorry, um, our, our service is for you. You know, they can, they can get their videos fingerprinted right there at the site. Now, how do we get to the site? So I'm going to spell it because sometimes it sounds different, but the site is Clip C, L is in Lucy, I, P is in Paul, Sentry, S is in Sam, E, N is in Nancy, T is in Tom, R is in Reba, Y, dot com, ClipSentry.com. Got it. I would have spelled it wrong. Well, and it's all kinds of good information there. Um, you know, there's a contact form if somebody wants to talk to me. I always give free consultations, no matter if you are the CEO of a giant clip store or you are thinking about starting to cam or create content for a clip store tomorrow and everybody in between. I am happy to provide free consultations to people. I like to be a resource if somebody has a question, like some of the questions you've asked me today. Um, you know, occasionally I'll get somebody calling me and they'll say, hey, you know, I'm working with a company and XYZ happened. Is that good or bad? If it's good, I'm going to tell them because we're all about fighting piracy. If somebody's doing a good job for them, I'm going to let them know. But if it's something sketchy or if it's something that's going to get them into trouble, um, like what we were talking about earlier, you know, using the DMCA for trademark infringement, um, you know, I'll tell them, here's how you can get in trouble. So, so if I give you a scenario, which is a true scenario that happened to me, it was my first shoot and lack of knowledge. I have no clue what I'm doing. I didn't reach out to anyone beforehand. 
And so I go to shoot and this person tells me, um, here we have to do paperwork. So we sign our 2257. And he says, I will email you your copy. And I said, oh, that's great. Thank you so much. So then I get home. Oh, and I do, we make the content and I get it on a hard drive and I go home and the stuff is not on the hard drive. And I'm like, oh, he must've made a mistake. So can you please send me the stuff? It was actually another model. So then I said, okay, can you send me the stuff? And he said, sure, no problem. He said, it'll take me about two weeks. He calls me right on the day of two weeks and says, I'm uploading it now. And there was zero on my file. And then he ghosted me from there. He still sells my content. <laughs> so but, here's there but there's nothing I feel like I can do because. Yeah. This is a great question. So, again, I am not an attorney, so this is not legal advice, but this is what it sounds like. Uh-huh. The copyright law is pretty specific about who owns content. Okay. Generally speaking, that's the person who shoots the footage. Now, if you hire somebody to shoot for you, like to be the camera person for you, that's a little bit different. And generally speaking, you should have an agreement that says you're acting as my camera operator. Anything you shoot is going to be mine. But because this other person produced, and that's kind of the key word, produced that content, chances are you have no legal rights to again yeah. I'm, i sort of figured that and it yeah. was you know, being new and him being a snake in the grass yeah but it's and not, not getting a cop my side of the copy so i can't post you know what little i have or anything because he has he, he has the copy of well and here's the even if you have the copy and you posted it it sounds like he would have had the rights to issue a DMCA to anywhere that you um, posted it because if he produced it generally speaking you don't have any rights to it unless there's something in writing that says we're sharing this content and that's where we come back to this whole treat this like a business you know um that paperwork done right right. we all like to hold hands and sing kumbaya whenever we can because that feels great but the truth is, it's a business. Reality. <laughs> yeah, it's, and you got to treat it like a business. Now, what he did doesn't sound super ethical, but ethics and the law are not always correct. Sometimes correct. they don't even know it. <laughs> so. Yeah, and so that was, you know, my mistake. And so the way to prevent something like this, you're saying treat it like a business, get that paperwork, like, specifically, you know, stating, because it was a trade. So that means we were supposed to trade with each other. But technically, you're saying that he produced it so he would be the owner, regardless if there was money exchanged. Without giving you legal advice, that's what it sounds like. And, you know, here's the thing. Um, It's not just in this industry. It can be anything. You know, you say to your friend, hey, let's go to lunch. And you guys go to lunch. And then they get up and leave and you're left with a check. Well, if you didn't say beforehand who was supposed to pay, technically – Aid and stuff, right? So this is this is a business version of that. Before okay. you ever go shoot, if it were me, mm-hmm. I would first have a conversation. All right, we're going to shoot this. What are we shooting? What are just like you know? You talk about your boundaries, right? You talk about your yeses and your noes. You get your safe Correct. word there. 
you know, you're protecting your body. Well, you've got to protect your business, too. So you have that conversation. If you're going to be shooting this, are you giving me rights? Okay, great. Let's put that in writing. Does that mean I can post on any tube site I want, or are there some that only you want to post on? Does that mean I can get compilations from it? Does that mean I can burn it onto a DVD and ship it to my customer? Whatever that looks like, you should have that co-creating conversation first. Put it in writing. Great advice. Yes. (laughs) And we did have all that in writing. I just didn't have a copy of it. (laughs) Well, yes. There you go. Well, not be, it might as well not exist if you don't have a copy. Exactly. Exactly. So that's definitely where I went wrong. I I hear, but that would not be any kind of copyright infringement, that, that whole. It doesn't sound like it because if he's the person who produced the content. So, for example, um, XYZ Pictures, okay? I, okay. I don't want XYZ Pictures calls you up and they go, Lily, we want you for this super hot scene. Can you come out and shoot for us? It's a thousand bucks for three hours. And you go, great, I'm there. And you go shoot the content and then you leave. Mm-hmm. You don't own those. XYZ Correct. Company does. It's kind of the same thing. It is. If the person produces the content. They're the, they're the producing studio, for lack of a better word, right? Yes. You don't have anything in writing, even if you could get a, you know, and again, I'm not a lawyer. This is, you know, I I drive that point home. We are not attorneys here. Um, But you might get a judge to say, yeah, you know what, you're right, but I can't enforce it because there's nothing in writing. Like, how do you prove? You got to prove. (laughs) You got to prove that you were harmed somehow. And and without any sort of evidence, that's going to be really hard to do. Exactly, which is why, obviously, I can't, you know, pursue it. But I think a lot of new people have fallen into that exact scenario. You know, there's people who do prey on, you know, the newbies in the situation like that. So definitely avoid that one. Get your stuff in writing. Yeah, yeah, there's, you know, it happens to everybody. And look, it may have cost you a little bit of money in, in monetizing your content but the lesson is so valuable you'll you just won't do that again no i won't i and it has not happened again there you they, go people then try I, but, but it's almost <laughs> like i'm glad that happened on my first shoot because that yeah. paves the way for the rest of them you're not nobody's going to make me feel like a ding dong again <laughs> like because i was like duh why didn't i get a copy like come on now yeah so yep. um yeah well thank you so much for for explaining that to me it's entire my pleasure. And listen, people who want to know more about protecting their content um, can find me. I am everywhere. I'm on um, if if they're on XBiz, I'm on the XBiz.net. They can find me there. I'm super easy to find. Um, it's my name Reba R E B is in boy A at takedownpiracy.com. There's a contact form at takedownpiracy.com. It comes to me. There's a contact form on clipcentry.com. It comes to me. You can ask anybody in the industry. I'm on Twitter. You can find me. Excellent. And I have one more question about Reba. So what what are you passionate about? Like in your personal life? Yes. Piracy? Um, I'm super I mean, I, I have a pretty broad spectrum of hobbies and things that I like to do. Um, probably first and for, foremost is health and fitness. Super into um, running and lifting right now and just seeing what my body is capable of. 
Um, I love to bake. So I'm the person in the neighborhood that bakes holiday cupcakes. For Can you everybody. give it away because you're trying to be healthy? <laughs> I do. I don't eat any of them, but it satiates that kind of need to. And I like to cook Please. as well. I like to bake. Yeah. I love music. Um, I love to entertain. I love a good dinner party. And that's been kind of tragic during the pandemic. I haven't really <laughs> way too long. <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, that was what was so fun about why not. Um, you know, they had proof of vaccine required and masks. And just being around people again was delicious. It was it just really- so nice to see people and, and you know, kind of socialize and commune again. It was wonderful. Well, I'm glad you got to enjoy Why Not. If anybody ever gets an opportunity to go to Hollywood, Why Not Awards, um, the week, the summit, it is top notch. It's so much fun and it's so informative and it's such a great networking opportunity. And you can Um, go by yourself. I went all by myself. I knew no one in the industry. Um, The first one I met was Julia Epiphany and they are so welcoming. Like, they, it's just, they will take you in just like, and, and Jay Copita is, is like your buddy. He's he's not yeah. some big wig that's above everyone else. He's really down that's, to earth. It's just a there's great organization. And they cover everything from whether oh, yeah. it's how to approach business or thinking about your future to mental health. I mean, there was a symposium at the last one. I think it was the last event. And Everybody just kind of sat around and vented and talked about their feelings, and it was kind of nice. Um, wow. And they have a gorgeous awards show that's always, you know. Top notch. <laughs> so, and a great excuse to spend a bunch of money on a gown. I know. Uh, and definitely <laughs> the red carpet. It, you know, put, get, lets cam models, newbies, everybody have a chance to walk the red carpet and be recognized. Yeah. It's great. Kind of evening. It's fun to to dr- especially after wearing nothing but sweatpants and ponytails for you know, <laughs> two years. I almost forgot how to walk in heels. You know? Oh, I know. I know exactly. I did that at Exotica, and then they want you know, you need to be in heels for 10-hour days. <laughs> Your legs start buckling, and you're like, oh, gosh, how did I do this? <laughs> I have no idea. Pre-pandemic. Exactly. Well, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming to talk with me and great advice, a lot of good information. Um, this is Reba with Takedown Piracy. Get a hold of her anyway, anytime, besides when she's sleeping. <laughs> but get a hold of her if you guys have any questions. Thank you so much for um, including us in your podcast and um, hope people get to put actual faces to the voices at the next show. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And you have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Phone Sex with Lily Show and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch episodes you may have missed, go to Spotify, Anchor, or SkyhawkAfterDarkTV.com. Simply type in Phone Sex with Lily Show. For the latest from Lily, you can follow her on Instagram at real underscore Lily Craven and on Twitter at Lily Craven XXX or message on Facebook at Lily.Craven40. Thanks again. Until next time.